Hello and welcome to the Northgate Podcast, where we aim to bring people closer to Christ, build them up, and empower them to go out into the world and make a positive impact. With our inspiring content and engaging discussions, this podcast serves as a beacon of hope and spiritual growth for all its listeners. The purpose of the Northgate Podcast can be summed up by our mission to bring people to Christ, build them up in that relationship, and send them out. This motto encapsulates our dedication to help individuals discover the transformative power of Christ's love, nurture their faith, and develop a strong foundation in their spiritual journey. Now here is today's message. So we are in a series on soul care, and uh, I was thinking about the words that Jesus says in Matthew 16, what can you give in exchange for your soul? You know, the the soul is a part of us that that is going to live forever. These bodies are going to wear out, we're going to get replaced someday, but our soul is going to live forever, and, and Jesus is very clear that we need to be giving more attention to our soul than to any other part of us. Our soul is our connection with God, right? It's what he breathes into us or creates in us when he creates us. So we're in this series. We, last week, Pastor John talked about uh, feeling overwhelmed. We're going to talk about loneliness. We're going to talk about uh, feeling like I failed. And tonight, we're going to talk about depression. Depression is something that a large number of people at any one time can identify with. Um, they can identify with this statement, I feel depressed. 18% of Americans report Uh, having been depressed at some point in their lives. That's adult Americans, 18%. So one out of five, basically, report that at some time in their life they've been depressed. Uh, At any um, one year, about 10% of adults suffered depression. Uh, In our church, that would mean there's maybe 100 people uh, throughout the course of the year that that experience depression, okay? Um, The prevalence of depression is increasing, according to a Gallup poll. It's been increasing steadily over the last eight years, and it comes in a lot of forms. You know, there's, uh, there's major depression, which is a clinical serious depression. There's seasonal affective disorder. A lot of people struggle with that this time of year. Uh, bipolar disorder is a form of depression. Um, and, uh, and persistent depression, persistent depressive disorder is kind of a low-grade depression that somebody um, has kind of ongoing. Uh, and uh, that's one that I think in my own personal f- uh, family, we have experienced that. Uh, persistent depressive disorder doesn't rise to the level of major depression but it's just kind of always there and a lot of people struggle with that so it's not at all unusual and that's why we're talking about it because there are spiritual aspects there to this there are things that God wants to say to us about depression and how we can deal with it Um, so M. Scott Peck psychiatrist years ago wrote a book called The Road Less Traveled one of the early self-help books, and he began it with these words, life is difficult, this is a great truth. Or as the uh, dread pirate Roberts might say, life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. Hmm. Princess Bride, anybody? (laughs) Princess Bride, okay, a few of us. All right, well, life is difficult, life is pain. I might change those words a little bit to say life includes a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain that comes to us in the course of a lifetime. Uh, and, but I agree with that second part. Anyone who tries to sell you something else uh, or anyone who tells you something else is trying to sell you something. You know, the Bible never tries to sell us 
uh, on, on a life without pain or a life without difficulty. I was thinking about this uh, in Psalm 107, uh, verses 4 and 5, we read these words. Some wandered in desert wastelands, finding no way to a city where they could settle. They were hungry and thirsty, and their lives ebbed away. And I read those words, and I thought that, that I think, for a lot of people would, would be a pretty good description of how they feel when they feel depressed, right? That they're wandering in a desert wasteland. I'm just kind of roaming. I don't have a sense of direction for my life. I feel kind of purposeless and lost. Uh, I'm in a desert where, you know, things are not growing, and I'm not, I'm not it's not, uh, you know, all roses and gardens and that kind of thing. Um, and, and I don't, I'm not in a city. So kind of the implication of that for me is loneliness, you know, that a major part of depression is feeling alone. Nobody understands what I'm going through. I don't have solid connections. I don't feel cared about. Even if I am being cared for, I don't feel cared about, those kinds of things. So I think those verses in Psalm 107 give us a, a fairly good description of what it might feel like for someone who is depressed. Depression is a common illness, it's a formidable foe, and it's a treatable condition. It affects everybody, young and old, okay, men and women, um, people with all kinds of, of wealth and, 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 you know, success and prosperity, and people who are struggling uh, to find success and, and uh, to take care of their needs, people of all races, and Christians and non-Christians. And this is a really important point I want to make tonight, and I will a couple of times. Christians as well as non-Christians, can experience depression. And we need to be sensitive to that. Charles Spurgeon was a, was a great preacher in the 1800s. Phenomenal preacher, still read and studied by many people today. He experienced depression. Got in the pulpit one morning and told his congregation of 5,000 people how severely depressed he was and what he'd been struggling with. Martin Luther, the uh, father of the Protestant Reformation, suffered from depression. A man named William Cooper wrote a number of hymns uh, and struggled all of his life with serious depression, needed to be hospitalized a few times because he became suicidal in the course of his depression. These are all Christian men who were faithful to God, never gave up their, their faith or their trust in God, served God wholeheartedly, but struggled with depression as well. So here's my main point tonight. We need to have compassion for people who experience depression and continue to hold on to the hope found in Christ. I want to encourage us to understand and be sensitive towards people with depression. I want to encourage us to, uh, those who experience depression, to not be ashamed of that or to feel a need to hide it or deny it, but instead to seek help when needed. And I want to encourage all of us to look to Christ, to care for our souls, whether it's because we're overwhelmed or lonely or feel like we're failing or depressed. Jesus is the one who cares for our souls, and we need to look to him for that care. So let me give you a definition of depression from the Mayo Clinic. Depression is a mood disorder that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and loss of interest. It affects how you feel, think, and behave, and can lead to a variety of emotional and physical problems. You may have trouble doing normal day-to-day -day activities, and sometimes you may feel as if life isn't worth living. Um, I was going to go through a, a list of the symptoms of depression. I'm not going to go through that. They are on the app. If you want to go to the app or, or look on the website, you can see them in the notes there. But what I want to say about this is if you think that you're depressed or someone you love and care for you think is depressed, 
the best thing to do is go to a doctor or a counselor and talk about it. Let them talk with you about depression. You know, we throw the word depression around like, you know, we had a bad day and now I'm so depressed. That's not depression, right? There is a real depression that is treatable and we need to seek help if, if that's where we're at, but we need to get that sorted by somebody who is, uh, in, who is uh, expert in this area. So, um, but some things from that definition that are important to understand. It's a feeling of sadness that doesn't go away. It's not just a bad day. It's a bad month that becomes a bad two months, it becomes a bad three months, okay? Persistent sadness. It's, it's someone feeling the absence of any sense of joy about life. Even about things they used to really enjoy and love doing, suddenly the joy of that is gone and it doesn't come back. Um, persistent negative thoughts, feelings of worthlessness that just, just run through the mind like a train on a track going around and around and around that we have trouble getting rid of. That's one of the symptoms of depression. And there's others like, you know, problems with our appetite, problems with sleep and those kinds of things. But again, um, you can find all that on the website or just Google it if you want to learn more about the symptoms, symptoms of depression. Let me talk to you a minute about what causes depression. Very complicated. Okay, what's causes, what causes depression is very complicated because it can be a number of factors and an interplay of these factors. But Here's a, the statement I wrote, the causes of depression are complex and sometimes difficult to ascertain, but include biological, psychological, social, situational, and spiritual factors. You know, we are body, soul, and spirit, or body, mind, and spirit, if you will. That's how we're made. And so we, are, we can't divorce one part of ourselves from another. If there are neurotransmitters in my brain that aren't at the levels where they need to be, that can affect my feelings, my emotions, my soul, my spirit, and the rest of me, right? Because I just don't have the, the, the chemicals in my brain in balance the way that I need them to be. If I go through serious trauma, that's going to affect me physically and emotionally. Uh, if, uh, if my thoughts are stuck on that track where I'm ruminating about negative things all the time, that's going to affect me physically, emotionally, and so on. And then there's the spiritual component, right? That connection that we have with God, with other people, that feeling that my life matters, that feeling of purposefulness and meaning in my life can be lost when people are depressed. Um, and then finally, on top of all that, we have to consider satanic attack because we do know we have an enemy who wants to attack us and some of us have personalities where we are wired to kind of be maybe introverted and to to be a little bit on the depressed side not depressed but a little on that side of things most of the time satan loves to get in there and if we have a negative thought about something or oh, really blew it today this way that way satan loves to get in there and just feed on that thought and get that thought stuck in our mind and, and feed us more negative thoughts. Well, I blew it today, I blew it every day, I've always blowing it, I'm never gonna get it right, et cetera, and then that can spiral into uh, depression. So there's a, there's a number of factors that, that can create depression. The important thing I wanna get across is understanding that it's a real thing and, and getting a sense of how it feels to be depressed. Catherine Butler is a surgeon and a Christian who experiences depression, and this is how she described it. While we all feel sad from time to time, depression drags its victims into a pervasive joylessness. Despair creeps into every moment, tarnishes the luster of things, and robs us of hope. The compulsion to cry lodges perpetually in the throat, but the relief of weeping never comes. That's how she describes her feelings of depression. Heman, you may not know the name Heman, 
he wrote Psalms, uh, and, uh, and in Psalm 88, one of the Psalms that he wrote, uh, he was a worship leader, was overwhelmed by his troubles, and he said, you put me in the lowest pit and the darkest depths, your wrath lies heavily on me, you've overwhelmed me with all of your waves. That was his experience of depression. By the way, the end of that song, Psalm 88, is the line, darkness is my only friend, which Paul Simon borrowed for his song, Sounds, uh, Song of Silence, or The Sound of Silence, right? Jeremiah had to repeatedly give bad news to people um, and people he cared for and then watch the city be destroyed and people go through incredible, horrendous suffering. And he said, my eyes fail from weeping. I am in torment within. And then King David was exhausted. His life threatened. His sins were weighing on him and he was feeling alone. And he said, I'm worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. None of these people could be accused of abandoning God or being faithless or not caring about their relationship with God. They all had strong relationship with God, but they also all experienced periods of depression. So main point here is, yes, you can be a Christian and experience depression. It does not mean that you have lost your faith or you have abandoned God, okay? God, in fact, invites us to be transparent with him about what it is that we are feeling. Psalm 13, I want to read this psalm. It's a short one, only six verses, but, but listen to what David says in this psalm. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. This is a very short psalm, six verses. I think there's a reason for that. You know, when you're depressed, it's very hard to concentrate. It's very hard to, to put your, get your thoughts out to say what it is that you're feeling and thinking. In six verses, David describes for us how he felt abandoned by God, separated from God, and he's wondering how long this is going to last. That's a typical question, right, when we're going through suffering of any kind, including depression. How long? If I know this is only going to be for a month, maybe I can take it, I can buck up. But what if it's not just a month? What if it's longer than that? How long, Lord, are you going to allow me to be in this place where I'm at? It's hard. David doesn't hold that back. He simply tells God, this is what I'm going through, this is what I'm feeling, and I'm asking you for some help. When a person is depressed, they may not feel like reading their Bible. They may not feel like praying. You know, I, I'd suggest if someone is depressed and they don't feel like reading their Bible, you know, take it bite-sized. Just read one verse today, just one, right? Don't try to do more than you're capable of doing in that moment. Pray for a moment, pray for a minute, for two minutes. Continue to have the connection, but, but don't add guilt to what you're feeling when you're incapable of doing more. Three things I want to say about this psalm, and I'll say them quickly. Breaks down into three parts, really, very nicely. Verses one and two, the experience of depression. So right off, you see that David isn't hiding the way he's feeling from God. And that is one of the most difficult things for people with depression is to acknowledge to someone that that's what they're feeling, that that's where they are. And yet it's the most important thing we can do if we are in that place. 
Uh, C.S. Lewis made the point that it's a lot easier to tell someone about our broken leg than it is about our, our mind that isn't working correctly right now. He said, the frequent attempt to conceal mental pain increases the burden. It's easier to say my tooth is aching than to say my heart is broken. That's true, right? We probably all experience that. I don't want to tell people I'm, I'm depressed. I don't want to tell people I'm anxious. I don't want to tell people I'm struggling in my mind with my emotions. But I can tell them that I had a cold last week. I can tell them that I, you know, I, I've injured my shoulder doing something. But we need to be just as, as ready to reveal to people we trust when we're struggling mentally and emotionally as we do when we struggle physically. Dwayne The Rock Johnson, The Rock, suffered depression. And this is what he said, depression never discriminates. Took me a long time to realize it, but the key is not to be afraid to open up, especially us dudes have a tendency to keep it in. You're not alone. So come on, dudes. If you ever go through depression, don't keep it in. Or dudettes, you too. David opens up to God. He says, how long? Four times over, he says, how long, Lord? I'm in the midst of a battle. I want to know how long it's going to last. He, he also describes feeling forgotten by God, as if God could ever forget us. He can't. Isaiah 40, 49 says, Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she's born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. God can never forget us, but when you're depressed, you may feel like he has. You may feel like God has removed himself from you. The, the reality is he hasn't, but the feelings are very real to an individual in that place, feeling uncared for, feeling forgotten. Notice, too, where the fiercest battle resides for David. It's in his mind. It's in his thoughts. He says, flipping back here to, to that psalm, he says, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And a lot of depression takes place in our thinking. A negative thought begins to plant a seed, and then it grows, and it becomes another negative thought, and then another negative thought. Nobody cares for me. I'll never be happy again. People would rather I wasn't here. They'd be better off without me. I've never done anything right. Those kinds of things can take root in our mind. And so one of the more effective treatments right now for depression is, is a form of therapy that deals with um, identifying and then challenging that negative thinking, okay? Which is very biblical, right? In 2 Corinthians 10 uh, verse 5, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And then Romans 12, 2, do not, be do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. So this therapy, this modern therapy that deals with identifying and challenging the negative thinking that takes place in depression is actually biblical. It's biblical thinking. But it can be hard to do that when you're depressed. And some people sometimes need to take medication just to get to the place where they have the energy and the ability then to do the work of challenging those thoughts. And there is nothing wrong with taking medication to treat depression. Nothing wrong with that at all. Sometimes in the church, people have looked down on that. We do not and would encourage it for anybody who's really struggling with depression and having a hard time coming out of that, okay? Medication can be very helpful. We take it for diabetes, right? We take it for high blood pressure, and there's no difference with taking medication to deal with the illness of depression. So that's verses one and two. 
Verses 3 and 4, we see David's desire for relief. He's, he's almost demanding. He says, look on me and answer, God. <laughs> you can hear his frustration, his, his desperation. He wants God's help, or he says, I will die and my enemy will overcome me. And I think of that enemy, in this case, as depression. But notice what he asks God to do. Give light to my eyes. In other words, God, help me to see things clearly again, because right now I'm not, right? Give light to my eyes. Help me to get a new understanding of things. Help me to see things in a new way. Uh, David Guzik uh, turned me on to this uh, verse, Ephesians 1.18, where Paul prays, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Ephesians 1.18, right? That's a great prayer for us to pray for somebody who's struggling with depression. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you can know the hope that God has invited us to have, right? That's a great prayer for us to keep in mind, for people who are struggling with anything, where their thinking is getting um, clouded uh, and they're unable to see things clearly. David puts his hope squarely in God's lap. Verses 5 and 6. There are three things that David puts his hope in. God's unfailing love, God's salvation, and God's history of having been good to him. You know, when I read this psalm and I get to those verses, I think like, we got there too fast. You know, we start out with how long, Lord, am I going to be in this situation? And then we move to, Lord, you have to help me. And then we move very quickly to, um, but I trust in God's unfailing love. And, I, and, and that just seems to me too quick, right? There's not enough time there for things to happen. But, but I also wonder if David, when he reaches that place, he's, he's not saying, I feel, I don't feel depressed anymore. I don't think he's saying that at all. He's saying, even though I still feel depressed, I'm going to put my trust in what I have known. And what I have known, even though I don't feel it in this moment, is that God's love never fails. And what I have known is that God has saved me. And what I have known is I can trust God to do that again. I don't feel it in this moment. I'm still struggling through my emotions. But I trust in what God has done in the past. And I'll trust in it until I'm feeling it. That's what I think is happening in those last, um, those last verses. And David chooses to put his hope in the idea that he will sing praises again. You know, one of the uh, uh, modern individual Christians who struggles with depression is a songwriter, Christian songwriter, Andrew Peterson. You probably heard some of his music. Andrew Peterson is very open about his struggle with depression, and he wrote a song about it called The Rain Keeps Falling. The Rain Keeps Falling. And in that song, he's got this beautiful picture uh, of going out and planting seeds with his daughter in a garden and then trusting that those seeds are going to sprout someday. It's going to take time, but it's going to come, and the rain that's falling is going to produce, those, uh, produce a, a harvest here, or it's going to produce um, something from those seeds. But... He has to learn to wait while the rain is falling. I love that picture. Those verses remind me of what Jeremiah said in Lamentations, and I'm just going to read the second part of it. Lamentations is a, a series of very sad uh, uh, poems, really, that Jeremiah writes while his country is, is being attacked and overrun. And it's thing, terrible things are happening, and he's getting depressed about it. But then he says this, Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. 
for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You see, he's saying, this is, what I'm involved in here is horrible. What I'm witnessing among my people is tragic and traumatic, and it depresses me. But even in all of that, I'm trusting in God, his compassion, his love, his faithfulness. Let me move to, to this uh, point. How can you be helpful to someone who's depressed? Because a lot of people have talked to me about this over the years, right? I love someone who's depressed. I don't know what to do. Seems like I always do the wrong thing. Let me suggest four things to you. First of all, just be present. Just be present. You know that Job's friends, they were at their best when they just sat with him and didn't say anything, right? It's when they started trying to explain his feelings away. That's when they got into trouble. So just be present. Just send a text telling, I care about you. I'm here for you. I love you. I'm praying for you. Um, can we go to coffee? Do you want to talk? I'm available if you do. Just be present. Bruce Springsteen suffered depression in his 60s. And he got counseling. And he took medication. But he also said this. Uh, the greatest help he received was from his wife, Patty. She'd say, you're going to be okay. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but it's going to be all right. She was just present with him. So be present. Secondly, be patient. Don't push your friend or your family member just to get over it, right? We said that's not how it works, right? So don't, don't pressure people. Just feel better. Smile, you know, you just got to do this. Be patient with them. Be patient with yourself. Third, be practical. Be practical. Offer to take a walk together or to come over and sit and have coffee together, or to go together to find help, or educate yourself about depression. Those are all practical steps you can take that might be helpful. And then the last one is be prayerful. Be prayerful. Stephen Eltrog is a Christian author. He's written about his own depression, and he says the absolute best thing you can do for anyone struggling with depression is to constantly pray for them. He says, plead with the Lord to minister to your friends spiritually and physically. Ask God to restore both the joy of their salvation and the proper levels of serotonin in their brain. Pray that the good shepherd would lead them out of the valley of darkness and into green pastures. Last thing I want to say about this tonight. Jesus understands what it feels like to feel depressed. And his desire is to remind us that we are never alone whatever we're feeling. I, I really enjoy seeing those pieces uh, during football games. You know, he gets us. Have you seen these uh, commercial kinds of things? He gets us. I like those, right? Because they show Jesus like one of us experiencing life and, and, uh, or people going through situations and say, he gets that. He understands that. And Jesus does. And he understands depression. You know, Jesus at one point talked about his own soul uh, being sorrowful to the point of death. That was in the garden before he went to the cross. He knows what it's like to be plunged into that darkness. He experienced the depth of darkness and an aloneness that we will never experience as he died on that cross, bearing our sins on himself. You know, all of creation witnessed to that, right? Three o'clock in the afternoon and it went completely dark. Earthquakes trembled and shook, right? Because the Son of God was plunged to the depths of despair on that cross. 
he went, and I don't mean this um, irreverently, Jesus went through hell, figuratively and literally, to save us from it. He understands. He knows. He doesn't condemn us for depression or the other struggles we may experience. He wants to come alongside as a member of the Godhead to be close to the brokenhearted and to save those who are crushed in spirit. I was working on this message at the church this week and, and someone stopped in and she wanted to share with me something she had written down. She had no idea what I was right in the midst of doing, but she asked me to read it and, and I asked her if I could share it with you. This is a portion of what she had written. I know God loves me and cares for me and is fighting for me. I know all too well I wouldn't be here today if he didn't love me. I know what he wants from me and I try desperately, but in many cases fail miserably. But he knows I never give up and I never will. I just keep trying with the little gifts I've been given in the time I have left. I pray in private, then fall asleep listening to an hour of worship music, and I feel so at peace. So, would you say God can't see beyond depression and anxiety? Well, I know my God's bigger than that. I love that. Love that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are bigger than our troubles, bigger than our, our problems, bigger than our illnesses. We thank you that you understand completely and wholeheartedly and you love us completely and wholeheartedly and that your desire is to rescue us from all of the things that plague us in this world. Lord, for those in our congregation or among our family and friends that we care about who experience depression, Lord, we pray, help us to be sensitive, help us to be encouraging, help us to be patient, help us to be uh, loving, and, um, and we pray for those who experience depression, Lord, that you would come alongside them and, and, and help them to see you through uh, the darkness, help them to see you in the darkness, help them to, to see the hope that you want to bring to them, and, and help them to trust in and, and put their faith in the, in the relationship they have had with you. Lord, um, we are people in need of your help to be healthy in our souls, and we want to be healthy in our soul. We want to be able to glorify you in all ways. So help us to do that, and we trust that you will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You want to stand up? I'll give you the takeaway, and we will be dismissed. Takeaway is from Matthew 5, the Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verse 4. Very simple, you've heard it. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. It's a promise. Blessed are those who mourn, whether it's grief, depression, discouragement of whatever kind. God promises. You bring it to him, you will be comforted. Go in the blessings of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you everyone for tuning in and being part of the Northgate podcast today. Your support and engagement have truly been incredible. If you like what you hear, then please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Northgate podcast. It's your enthusiasm and continued support that keeps us motivated and inspired to creating meaningful content that resonates with our listeners. So thanks again. Thanks again.